Hey, everybody. Before we get started on this week's episode, part two of Carrie going to Puerto Rico, uh, Ian, myself and Carrie here, we wanted to thank you for all the support over the last six weeks. It's been overwhelming, Carrie. Yeah, we're grateful, a little bit surprised yeah. and we're overwhelmed. And uh, we want to just want to take a minute before we start exciting episode seven to thank everybody and also to let you know that we do have merchandise. We do. It, it's been uh, hinted about, mm-hmm. and but I don't think we've really talked, spoken about it. Ooh, look, here it is. <laughs> so Carrie in his hand right now has the Last Stop Penn Station t-shirt, and I in my hand have the camel t-shirt, and it has the camel song, He Eats Breakfast, Hail the Camel, uh, while Carrie says the nice logo. And we encourage you to go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Type in Last Stop Penn Station and you'll see these great T-shirts. And uh, we really are overwhelmed and we're recording this knowing that the episodes are in the can. Uh, but we were so thankful and so grateful for everyone's support. We wanted to pop into this episode in particular and thank everybody for all the reviews of which we're at, we're at 57, which unlocked the bonus episode. And yes, we, we, we have to. Should we? I don't want to demand some kind of goal, but it would be nice to get to maybe 75. Yeah, 75. Well, we're at least part two of the bonus episode, which talks about your days at Empire Industries. When you when those in the ticket world said you had a straight job, you had that. <laughs> That's right. I know you're going to be dying out here all about the all purpose cleaner decreaser. <laughs> right now, people are shutting off the podcast. <laughs> well, no, they shouldn't because they have part two of Carrie's. I I want to say Homer, uh, the Odyssey, (laughs) almost an Odyssey into Puerto Rico. uh, And that's going to begin right now. Welcome one and all to Last Stop Penn Station podcast featuring Carrie Silken and Ian Riccoboni. They dive deep into Carrie's wealth of stories and no subject is off limits. From the world of wrestling to his ticket agency, Growing up in New Jersey, drug-fueled underground days, hustling in the French Quarter of New Orleans, and endless days and nights in New York City, every story is worth telling. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of Last Stop Penn Station, Part 2 of our dive into how Carrie got to Puerto Rico. I'm Ian Riccoboni. I am your host and our subject of honor, Carrie Silk. And Carrie, though, as I'm as I'm putting the, the pieces together, we've talked about Las Vegas, San Francisco, England, Japan, Puerto Rico. What do all these things have in common? They're different places they're different places that's right and as we're we're looking for a way to to gather these episodes together and as a as a unifier we're going to continue next week with episode eight a a look at carrie's time in louisiana which should be fun yeah um we, we could talk about some of my uh my misadventures with uh being forced to sell tickets to make money yeah. And uh, even attending some wrestling in, in Louisiana. In Mid-South, Bill Watts. On uh, a regular basis. You saw our good friend Luke Williams down there, right? I did. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. They, I was at a house show and I noticed that there was a camera. Huh. Which, you know, 
And a house show means it's not supposed to not advertise as being something that will be televised. Correct. Yep. Suddenly a camera appears and there was a tag team, not the Bruise Brothers, that were in ECW and later was in WWE right. F with 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 uh, Uncle Zeb. They were, were the they? Disciples of Apocalypse, the Harris Not Brothers. Those there was a uh, a team. It was a uh, a black tag team. I don't I don't remember who they were, mm-hmm. but they were the Bruise Brothers. And all of a sudden, who jumps the rail? But the sheep herders. And I was like, holy (laughs) shit, this is so cool. Yeah. This is so cool. Because those cards back then, um, you're talking Dick Slater. Mm -hmm. You're talking Hacksaw. Now, you hear the name Hacksaw Duggan. Right. And it might conjure up like, well, this guy was a badass. Yeah. And Buzz Sawyer. Another badass. And Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Uh, the doctor, uh, later Dr. Death. Yes. Later Sting. And Al Perez. This is the crew I saw. Al yeah. Perez, who was a guy that never made it. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with him. Looked like a million dollars. Looks like Seth Rollins. Her, our friend Seth Rollins. Or, or he looks like your mom's favorite. Oh, the crew. <laughs> Ravishing crew. <laughs> yeah. We might have said this off air. <laughs> but but we were, I think we said it uh, on I, air. I think last episode, my mom used to take me to wrestling just so she'd get a glimpse of, of the ravishing one. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But yeah, Al Perez. Um well, let's say we, we could save it. We're getting we're getting excited. It's going to be a fun topic. Yeah, uh, a lot of great names that, that came and went uh, through Mid South. The Fantastics, one of the great. Terry ones. Taylor was there. Yeah, so many huge stars and names that came from from Mid South. Uh, of course, Jim Ross, the broadcaster, got his uh, his first huge break there. And we'll get to that next week. That's another place that'll be episode eight. And then uh, for season two, we're excited to announce season two is in the oven. It's bacon. We're producing it right now it's going to be we, we did places so uh, obviously we're going to do people next carrie and who right. might who might some of the people be that we talk well, about we've, we've we've touched on a few of the people and we continue it's it's hard to do these without you know uh talking about some people and, and i promised our listeners uh a taste of pig face stanley and his son little scotty the baboon we might have to uh We'll just see how this episode goes. Sure. But uh, yeah, we've got guys like that. You're talking about the ticket world. We've got, you've heard these names. I'm going to say them again. Dozens. Freddie the Weeper, uh, Silent Sydney, uh, Phony Pops, Mama Pretzel. The stories just go on and on. Blockhead. Uh, <laughs> mountain. Mountain's the, great, who, the great mountain who went on to who went on to YouTube, uh, YouTube fame. Early YouTube star, as, yeah. As the kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. And and I wanna I wanna recenter. This is a great point to recenter. These are the kind of things, Carrie, that I'm hoping to get out of you. I'm hoping that this will motivate you. You got this great memoir you're sitting on. I want to see Last Stop Penn Station, the book. I want to see Amazon pick it up as a as a TV series or Netflix or one of these networks because uh, these stories are incredible and, and you, you we're just scratching the surface of what's going to appear in this me- uh, memoir and I hope this motivates you. I know you got a lot of it done. I want to get you across the finish line. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, thanks for the uh, inspirational talk and as, <laughs> and as the great Uncle Henry who has appeared in last in the yes. last episode used to say, oh from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, bless his heart, bless our hearts. 
And let's get back to Puerto Rico. Last time we were talking about Puerto Rico, Carrie, uh, you've arrived in Puerto Rico. You're going to set up this magazine. You've got the buy-in from Victor Quinones. Victor Quinones, to remind everybody, the New York Times listed him in uh, Gorilla Monsoon's obituary as the son of Gorilla Monsoon. There's some debate around that. But the thing that's not debatable is he helped with FMW in Japan and really got that going. One of the most violent, kind of innovative, but violent organizations in, in wrestling. He's also really a key figure in Puerto Rico wrestling. He's running IWA. IWA, of course, is kind of the upstart against WWC, kind of the, the, the standard bearer, the flag bearer run by Carlos Colon and a man named Victor Jovica. You got Quinones' buy-in and you go to see, uh, by invitation, no less, by Ricky Banderas. Did I get that right? Well, we prior to the, uh, uh, not by Ricky Banderas, you're thinking of Ricky Santana. Ricky Santana, excuse but me. The, he came on later, but we once we had gotten the blessings from the magazine distributor the, the distribution head the guy who was uh who we met for a nice dinner who was he was distribute he was distributing uh these sterling mcfadden titles that mm-hmm. mike g worked on anyway right and there's no there's no risk right these magazines do you know what happens to uh do all right do you know what the and this is of course uh I don't know who's buying magazines anymore. There's some people. Sure. But do you know what the success rate of a newsstand magazine is? In other words, what would be the optimal sales, uh, whether it's Rolling Stone or Time, in their heyday? Sure. If you sent them out to the the supermarket and on the newsstand. I'm going to guess it's probably lower than I thought. I was going to say 80, 80 if for every 180 sold. You're waving lower. Okay. I would have lost maybe, the price. All of right. right. Maybe yeah. a Rolling Stone. Yeah. Maybe a Sports Illustrated. Sure. Uh, maybe a, a top name magazine of, 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 of that era. We- but Mike G, and he wasn't dealing with the most prestigious titles, but he had a lot of experience in it. Mm-hmm. At that time- when the, he was at Sterling McFadden. And it was pre-internet, so magazines are still doing- Correct. Trucking along. 30%, wow. 35%, 40%. And I'd be like, wait a minute. You're telling me six out of seven issues aren't sold? He goes, they're basing it. The magazine companies, uh, the, the the publishing company is basing it on subscriptions. Mm-hmm. That's, the, you know, they're, they're ace and all. And more importantly- Advertising. Yeah. So the issues that are on the newsstands, mm-hmm. whether they're, uh, no matter what it is, when they're not sold, they they come back. Yeah, they, they tear the covers they off. Rip, they, yeah. rip, they rip the cover in half, which, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to talk, this is my first foray into the wrestling business? Yeah. No. No? My first foray into the wrestling business and it, it's amazing how things uh, are are cyclical. Uh, are cyclical. C- cyc- yeah. That's right. Cyclical. Cyc- cyclical. Cyc- cyclical. Um, no, Mike G, way before his writing career. And who's your cousin who's put out a great Woodstock at 50 book? Right. Yeah. His mom, my, my cousin, I call her Aunt Reba. Okay. She remarried. Um, he was raised as, you know, he was raised by Reba and uh, brought up in Weequake section of Newark, New Jersey in okay. the 60s. Yeah. And um, Reba remarried. Uh, I guess Mike was maybe, 
14 or 15. Anyway, the 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 gentleman that she she married, uh, her second marriage, really good guy, Sal Goodman. And guess what business he was in? He, was he a wrestling promoter? No. Oh, the magazine. He was in magazine distribution. Oh wow! Now you you a man who travels <laughs> yes as much as anyone sure or certainly a yeah, lot second to Colt Cabana. What is the name of the when you're in the airport, Hudson News. That's it. Yeah, and that is the company. No. Yes. Wow. And they—they're they, everywhere. They hailed across the, across they, the world. They hailed from uh, the 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 uh, the metal the the yeah. literally the Meadowlands area of like Weehawken, Jersey yeah. City. That's where their warehouse was deep in the weeds, <laughs> right? I mean, the, and, the jungle land is Bruce Springsteen. Right. <laughs> right. And, and 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 so. Mike, after after Reba and Sal were were, were doing their thing, um, you know, Mike was like 15, 16, maybe he was driving age. Uh, Reba started working there and they needed some help in the warehouse. So Mike would go there and they would he would see the returns mm -hmm. of the magazines coming in. And we would this is we we also talked in the last episode about my first time going to Madison Square Garden with right. my dad. Yeah. Well, Mike was four years older than me, so he got his license around seventy two. Uh, no, before that, but it, maybe yeah, seventy two, seventy three. Mm -hmm. So he was able. This gave us the ability to go every month to the garden. Oh wow. Uh, we lived sort of close enough to each other. Right. And so the way we financed this was Mike would take the returns. Oh, wow. No one gave a damn. Yeah, because they, they were- There was probably it. some accounting uh, <laughs> that went into it. Like, why are there a hundred wrestling review <laughs> and wrestling world and ring wrestling magazines yeah. missing? So we would take the magazines mm -hmm. with the, literally the top, top of the, uh, the cover. They ripped it. Horizontally. Okay. So there was only at the bottom. Yeah. So you really even couldn't see the title. Yeah. So we would go out there and uh, we'd sell the magazines. Let's just say they were a dollar each at the time. Mm -hmm. We'd sell them three for a dollar. Yeah. Because guess what we paid? Zero. Right. It's all profit. <laughs> yeah. And that would finance the night uh, of wrestling. Wow. So um, it's strange how things uh, uh, things come come back around. So thirty years later, we're talking two thousand two. You're in Puerto Rico and you have one organization, they're buying in IWA and then they're kind of on the come up and Quinones and his group. And then you have WWC, kind of the standard bearer, the flag bearer, Carlos Colon, the Hulk Hogan of Puerto Rico. It's probably the easiest way to describe it. And Victor Jovica. And you get this kind of, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. It's all right. Take some pictures because you had made the original offer and he said, no way. He he said, no he way. He bad copped you. Carlos Colon kind of good copped you. So going into the first issue, it was a slow process. But going into the first issue, we said, all right, maybe we'll write some stories. Uh, Bill Apter, our good friend Bill yeah, Apter, yeah. and he's not the originator, our good friend George Napolitano. Sure. Uh, they would write these fictitious, often fictitious stories. Yeah. Some were no, some, uh, some guys, I'm not saying Bill or George, but there were others that were more notorious. 
or just writing any old sure, thing. Yeah, some respected little tip. I mean, I can remember growing up every couple of months, is Hulk Hogan ready to hang the boots up? Right. And stuff like that. So okay. it wouldn't be too far out of the norm. And it was kind of speculative. But. So we were able to have access to, to the IWA and go to the shows. And that's where I got to meet Dutch Mantel, mm-hmm. who was booking uh and booking means making the matches, setting up the rivalries. Right. Mm-hmm. And Sab- it was Savio and Dutch. And we did not have access, as we've said, to the WWC. So we put out the first issue predominantly about the IWA. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we, we could look at the magazine, but we ran a, a story uh, – Maybe it was on a duel of the butcher or right. something. We just sort of put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, we developed uh, some connections with guys that had uh, photographs. There was this guy Eddie Grice, okay, that was around for years. Yeah, um, first time I've heard that name. Yeah, Eddie Grice. Uh, if Dutch was listening or Luke was listening, sure. you know, oh, Eddie Grice. <laughs> but Eddie Grice used to come to Puerto Rico and he was friends with Victor. And uh, he would stay down there for six months. He would come and take pictures. Uh, I don't know what he really did for money. But <laughs> yeah. he was just sort of there. And um, there was a rudimentary website uh, in the early days of the internet Um Puerto Rico wrestling.com, PR wrestling.com. Mm-hmm. And the guy that ran that helped us. Um, and we put out this first issue willy nilly. And it was, it was, uh, it, Mike had the, the, Mike, who thought it would be so difficult in the beginning, had the layout artists right at his disposal. Of course, we had to pay them. Sure. The guy from the PR wrestling uh, website helped with the translation. Okay. We got some photographs from Eddie Grice for a yeah. small fee for that he was charged. Yeah. And I was the other photographer. There you go. And um, we, we, we slapped together issue one. It took us a while. And issue one, we made one slight mistake. Because it was financially, it wasn't uh, that much different to do it all color. Oh, okay. But we were like, ooh, uh, 16 pages of color, you know, and the rest in black and white, you know, you'd yeah. save like a couple thousand dollars. So we printed up, I think, 10,000 issues. And you had 5,000 5, 5, guaranteed. 5,000 going. Well, they're not guaranteed, but 5,000 are going to the newsstands. Right. Our hopes were, I think it was like a 10,000 minimum. Okay. So now we have an extra 5,000 issues. Mm -hmm. So if we would had uh, WWC working with us, we could have given a couple of thousand to each company. Sure. Which then they could sell at the show. And the original offer was essentially you give them to them. They sell them for four. They keep two and you keep two. As we talked about in the last episode. Correct. Yeah. But uh, we we only had uh, Victor Quinones to deal with. And uh, as it turned out, although he was uh, generous with his access to to the company, um, they really didn't care. Um, Even though it was like an easy to, in, in our minds. Yeah. It's like an easy sale. And they weren't big with merch. Yeah. 
They didn't have a lot of merch. As we page through the, oh, the first issue, it looked like they just had knockoffs of WWF and WCW t-shirts where it's the NWO logo, but saying, you know, WWC or things like that. Very little. Yeah. Very, very little. Yeah. I wish we had a time machine that we not only could take you, but we <laughs> could take the fans back to these shows. Yeah. And the money that was left on the table. Sure. Was... Uh, you know what? The, you know where the money? Do you know where the money was at these shows? The concessions. Very good. Yeah. Well, just I, just from watching all of the old Puerto Rico shows where they throw all the sodas into the ring, thousands of bucks. There. They would take whether it was a, a, a Thursday night show at a small town with five hundred people, or it was a, a weekend show where they would draw three, four, sometimes stadiums. I've been at shows there up to twelve thousand. Yeah. The big moment was the intermission. Really? Now, in in the era of uh, Ring of Honor, sure. In my era, mm-hmm. uh, we used to. I used to like the intermission because that's when people would buy some merch, right? And uh, Gabe was like, oh, you know, he wanted to. He didn't want it to go too long to lose the momentum. Sure. So we had a. Uh, try to balance it out. You know, look, the people are buying, but yep. sit down there. The intermissions would go on. I'm not making this up. <laughs> minimum, uh, minimum would be an hour and a quarter. Really? Yeah, more more like an hour and a half. And get a load of this. Nobody cared. Really? It was like a night out. You know, in Puerto Rico, I don't know how, and, and I love, I've been there so many, forget about the wrestling. I just love it down there. It's amazing that a daily newspaper is printed. Hmm. It's sometimes on TV, you know, like that. I mean, for, for our, my whole life, if something is on at 6.30, it starts on TV. It starts at 6.30. Sure. There. Eh. <laughs> show six, it might be on at six forty. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Now, if it's in, if it's like the World Series, sure. Then it's going to be live, or, or, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, but but there's eh. so how they a, a daily newspaper or um, these broadcasts, um, but uh, so the the intermissions were just these big parties. Wow. And everyone would drink. Now Victor. Mm-hmm. When when you rented the building, uh, these buildings, you had the full rights to the bar. Oh wow! Okay. So they would be selling, you know, rum and cokes, yeah, pina coladas, Coca Colas, and not expensive. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna put put you on the spot here. They Puerto Rico known for its violent wrestling. I mean, I think we talked about Luke Williams earlier. Remember the sheep herders, the bushwhackers, as many of the fans would know. Did this cause any problems? I mean, you get one beer in me and I'm I'm a little different. I, I mean, if I'm two rum and cokes, I'm probably trying to chase down bloodied Luke because the violence is off the chart there. Well, you just you just jog. You just jogged <laughs> me. And it's, I completely forgot about this. Yeah. In, in, uh, it, 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 we're not filming this one. It's unfortunate. You see me grabbing, grabbing it <laughs> with, excitement. with joy yeah. that, that, he, that he rattled my brain. Um, I went to Puerto Rico in 1997. My friend Bo, 
who who also plays into my ticket scalping. Uh, and I think we mentioned this in the in an earlier episode or uh, eventually I'll have a log. So I know if I did or I didn't. But he had the souvenir store at Yankee Stadium sure. and Shea Stadium. Yep. We either talked about it on, on air or not. <laughs> but he had a condo in Puerto Rico. Wow. Okay. And I had known him since the 80s. I worked for him. And uh, so I went down to visit him. Had to be 96 or 97. Mm -hmm. And he was in the Condado Beach area, which is a really nice area where we like to stay, two blocks from the ocean. Gorgeous. So he was a, a moderate, not even moderate. He was a, uh, a fringe wrestling fan mm -hmm. at best. Yes, when he was a kid. Sure. You know, uh, he'd like it. So I said, I'm, I'm, I get him to put on the the. At the time, it was only WWC. This is four years before the magazine. Gotcha. And ooh, on TV, there's the ad. I go, Bo, where's Cogwis? He <laughs> goes, ah, it's like a half hour. I go, listen, Carlos Colon's fighting Abdul the Butcher tonight. <laughs> there got, you go. We got to go. Marquee, that's like Hogan Andre. Right. Yeah. We got to yeah. go. So we went to Cogwis. Wow. Okay. And- they advertise. They here's another thing, and, and and IWA wasn't as guilty, but WWC was always guilty of this. They would advertise at eight o'clock bell time, eight fifty, nine oh five. The people were just and, and I just got, so, a good time. So we go to this. We go to Cogwis, and when we went, I, this was a period of time when I was drinking. Okay, and we go to Cogwis, and. Uh, we got there. It was an eight o'clock card. Uh, Bo's like, well, you think we could get like good seats? I go, I don't think they have ring sides, <laughs> which they didn't. Oh, wow. Okay. You, there's it was no, a first come, first serve? Well, they kept, the, as a, they kept the ring in the center of the basketball court. Okay. So you had to sit in the bleachers. Is that to prevent? Yes. Okay. Because I've seen the the famous Hogan, Big John Stud clip where it's it's pouring and raining and they're about, they're a good 30, you know. 30 feet from the ring, which I thought was unusual. But. Right. And if you look at some of the old Puerto Rico clips from Bruiser Brody, mm -hmm. uh, all the names from the 80s, the only places they seemed to have ringsides was when they would do a big stadium show. They probably sold a golden circle seat okay. at ringside. But anything I, you know, any show I had been to, this is this was my first time in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. uh, first going to a show. And as I went, keep later came on to learn was that there was no ringside seating okay. and the closest you could get is the front row of the bleachers and that's the way it was and there was security so we arrive in Cogwis probably <laughs> about 7 30 uh as i said Bo says well maybe we could get good seats i go i think it's just general admission yeah and it was it might have been twelve dollars might mm -hmm. have been eight dollars so we go into our general admission there was maybe Oh, 1,500 people. And we're able to sit pretty much center in the bleachers, about five rows up. Then it's eight o'clock. There's <laughs> the bell. It's 8.30. And, and don't ask me who else is on the card. We can look it up. Sorry. Sure. But uh, the guy, the, the pina colada man comes around. <laughs> and I, he has the pina coladas. 
pre-made. Wow, okay. But he also has like a bot. He had like a holster <laughs> with a bottle of rum. <laughs> and, and the guy's like smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and Bo speaks Spanish. Okay. So Bo's like, you know, whatever in Spanish. Quanto cuesta. Yeah. Like, hey, can you put some more rum in there? Uh, you know? And the guy's like, yeah. He's smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. Yeah, and and he, pull, he pulls out the rum from the holster. And he's like, he goes, yeah, amigo. And he says, it's this 151. Oh, you know, wow. the one, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh my God. So, so we're having, so this is this way that keeps people soothed <laughs> until the card starts. Yeah. But, um, probably some unintended consequences uh, following that. So, you you already become a little familiar then with with some of the trips of well, some of the stars, right? But real quick, what happened during the match? And I had had a couple of drinks during the match. About it was about maybe a total of seven minutes, and they were only in the ring maybe twenty seconds, and they start running amok. They start this is running. Carlos Colon and Abdullah. Yes, yeah. and guess what? The fans start. Going on the Go, floor. He's going to chase them? And, I, and so, of course, I'm going to. Wow. Right? And there I am, you know, and, and Abdullah's pulling out the fork. No. And everyone, it was fantastic. <laughs> Maybe it was four minutes. Yeah. So you're in love at this point. Uh, you're, absolutely. You're, you're in love. Absolutely. So that was about four years before the magazine. We're at issue one. Um, we've paged through it a little bit. There's there's a lot of folks that people would would remember. Uh, no, most notably, Savio Vega was he with IWA at this point? Yeah, Savio was with IWA. Miguel Perez, another one of the Los Barriquas. Do you know? Do you know this name? Who was also in Los Barriquas? Hurricane Castillo. Yes, right. He was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicky Star. Chicky Star. Victor the Bodyguard. Right. Uh, I gotta. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I got I got Go very ex- I got very excited, but I <laughs> we'll finish we'll finish that thought. Uh, Chicky Star, Victor the Bodyguard. I have a name that I want to throw out, but Go ahead. Buttman. When does he come on board? Who's that? In issue two or issue three, there start to be advertising. <laughs> and but, oh. Buttman is one of the one of the ones that caught my eye. Well, you have a, a <laughs> after hearing about you walking around the village with your sex toys on your on your alleged no. on your uh, no very much confirmed right. But no. <laughs> no, I don't know about the butt. Man. Well, so that's that's a we'll, segue we'll, to say we'll, we'll show a picture of that. We had an ad, we had an advertiser in, the, in issue two, and you had quite a few. And so that's actually kind of a legitimate question. You know, we're having fun, but clearly, if you start to get advertisers and it starts to go full color. Um, was there a breaking point where WWC starts to get on board? Was there a breaking point where advertisers come to you? Walk us through that when you start to get some traction. Well, the first issue came out. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, they weren't that in- IWA, unfortunately, wasn't that interested in uh, helping us. Yeah. I don't know why. And I would go to the shows mm-hmm. and we're like, why don't they, ha-? you know, they would. All they had to do is sell the damn things. They didn't, it wasn't like they were loaded up with t-shirts. Sure. Um, so, but here's what happened. Much to the shock of Mike G and myself, the first issue sold. I thought it was disappointing, mm-hmm. but he said it sold like uh 40% on the newsstands. Wow. 40%. Yeah. And, and and Mike says to me in his in his career. He goes, that, that's, that's a really good number. Mm-hmm. So we got some money back as far as these advertisers. Sure. 
the great Palermo, my friend Mike Palermo. Yeah, who's featured. Who, he, he's featured and he's yeah. been coming around Ring of Honor. Uh, guys like yourself, guys yeah. have been around Lethal, Bobby Cruz, Todd Sigler, the Briscoes. You know, Big man. time Iron Pigs fan also. We have Iron Pigs. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, he's been around Ring of Honor the, the, as long as I've been around. Mm-hmm. Went to Japan. Yeah. Went to uh, the UK. It's been a big help for me personally, and he's a good guy who everyone likes. Yep. So he was designated as not wasn't a bad job. He's into he's into a sales anyway. Yeah, to get advertising. No one was coming to us. Okay, so so this is Palermo knocking it out of the park here, right? With with but with. But man, <laughs> if you look at our ads, the issue too, yeah. it's incredible we got anybody. Yeah, we got uh, a, a few tattoo places, sure. The no nos tattoos, right? Which, which means grandfather in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to have my grandfather doing my tattoos, but the, 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 uh, there's a go go bar, there's a go go bar, there's uh, there's a nice restaurant which you're, you're oh, ears yes, perked, your ears perked up. So, that was yes, good place. that was right on that was right on the strip where the ocean was because. Mm-hmm. Wrestling in Puerto Rico was very highly rated on TV. Okay. And it wasn't considered, although it wasn't highbrow. It wasn't lowbrow It either. was part of the culture. Sure. So, uh, it, you know, and, and so people, everyone knew Lucha Libre. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew Lucha Libre. And, you know, like the working men, like if you'd be, if I'd be in a cab and I would speak my rudimentary Spanish, mm-hmm. instead of, it was to, to, to the cab driver, oh, usted fanatico de lucha libre. Oh, I see, 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 see. Carlos, they always say, oh, Carlos, come see, on. Well, it's funny you mention that because throughout my life, uh, you know, Allentown has been one of the home, uh, has been a, a large center for folks from Puerto Rico to come and, and create their family. And uh, if you talk to them, you talk to a lot of people around the community, they bring up Carlos Colon, they bring up Abdul the Butcher. Uh, so it's it's funny you mentioned those names because those are certainly hallmarks. Well, right. And the first, so the first issue came out and how many did IWA sell? Who knows? But it wasn't the proper, it uh, wasn't the proper amount that you know that it that it could have been sure and there was a point in time where i had a uh, dutch helping me so dutch it, mantel noted wrestler yes. manager producer of, of wrestling yeah because i remember issue i'm probably jumping ahead a little here but remember issue two there was a problem getting them imported into the country okay they were on like a boat Oh, just, seriously. Just, just lost yeah, at sea. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and to get him through customs. Yeah. And Quinones knew somebody. Quinones always knew somebody. <laughs> that's one thing. Well, that's how I feel about you. You always seem to know somebody. So, well, yeah. <laughs> he, knew, he knew people. So, issue two, you know, and we're going to backtrack, you know, we're doing these places. And yes, we do touch on people and we do touch on things. But I'm going to backtrack uh, in future seasons. In the, in the people season. Yes. Because yeah. there's so many. Oh, my God. Uh, the stuff that went on in this struggle, you know, it was just a struggle, just the struggle with I, the struggle with uh, Jovica, which I'm going to get to in this, uh, if, if I could move on, but just with IWA. And they were our friendly neighbors. Right. Everything was cool with the distributor. Cool. That was just a done yeah. deal. So now issue two is getting ready to come, is, is coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it did come out. And still we have no access 
to uh, WWC. Yeah. And we get a phone call from uh, Ricky, not Tito. Okay. Ricky Santana. Gotcha. Who was the matchmaker mm-hmm. at the time for that company. Sure. And he appeared on WCW Saturday Night a little bit. So some U.S. fans may be aware of Ricky. Now, how he got my number, I'll never know. <laughs> and he said, listen, he introduced himself and uh, we'd like you guys to cover us. Why aren't you? I go, well, we all, we would love to. But, you know, Javika told us that he wanted nothing to do with us. He goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to him. Yeah. I'll smooth everything out. And we're like, okay. And uh, another funny thing happened. I almost forgot about this. And I've got pictures. I'm going to dig these. I'm going to dig these out for uh, our, our, for our uh, social media. Um, strangely enough, Jimmy Hart okay. was at the same time. It might have been episode issue two, issue three. There was only four issues total. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South was attempting to start his own promotion and he was going to be working with WWC. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be called the XWF. Right. Yes. And he had the Nasty Boys. Greg Valentine had a lot of the great future stars like AJ Styles. Had a lot of those names too. And he had a bunch of guys in Puerto Rico and he got my number also <laughs> as if I was as if I was the Andy Warhol or the George Napolitano wow. of uh, of wrestling photographers. I was just, you know, not even average. I was just shooting and hoping they came out right. And uh, so I learned about photography. Right, AJ? You, you take 100 pictures. If one of them is good, that's the, you're a genius. So I, um, I, uh, he calls me. Mm-hmm. Like Jimmy Hart's calling me, you know, I I was slightly starstruck. Sure. It was flattering. And he's like, and and Jimmy Hart to this day, who I've I've talked to him like on his birthday once or twice. Sure. I see him at these WrestleMania conventions. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, he's always Jimmy Hart. Yeah. And he's a very nice guy. Hey, hey, baby, you know, it's Jimmy Hart. You know, I I hear you guys are doing a great job. You know, I was talking to, he throws some names out. I was talking to this one, talking, you know, with with your magazine down here. I'd love you to, I'd love to have you come over and take some pictures. Uh, I'm starting this project. He always had a project. Sure. Going, whatever it was. Well, there was XWF Wrestlelicious, the one with the, the female wrestling. Right. With He's the, got the, the bar now in Daytona yeah. Beach. He's always been hooked up with Hulk Hogan. Sure. And he's 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 very entrepreneurial. Great musician, great songwriter. The Gentries. Yeah, keep on dancing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course, his lineage to Memphis and mm-hmm. WWE, one of the great actual managers. But um, – you know, Hogan wouldn't do anything without him mm. often. Oh, wow. Like, as far as uh, if input. you wanted to book him, if you he, he took care of him. Yep. So we go over we go over to Jimmy Hart's. I don't know if you remember the order of this. We do this photo shoot and um, pretty much simultaneously, Ricky Santana gets back to us within a day or two. Okay. And he says, I spoke to Javika. And everything's cool. You know, we'd love you to come. Yeah. We're in Humacao uh, this Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd love you to come. And I'm like, you sure? Because he sounded <laughs> And he's like, 
no, he goes, yeah, you know, he, he, you know, he, the guy's a, the guy's a jerk, you know, but, but I talked to him and it, Carlos is fine. You know, yeah. he goes, Carlos told me, I don't know why he said that. That's bullshit. He don't care. Anyway. All right, cool. We'll be, you know, we're going to go to Humacao Saturday Great. night. So off we went to Humacao, which is probably an hour and 10 minutes from San Juan. San Juan is on the north center of the island okay. and Humacao is towards the Caribbean side okay. and you go over the mountains. It's a beautiful ride. Mm -hmm. So we go into this little town of Humacao and uh, we, we, you know, old school style with a map yeah. and uh, we find this building and it's sort of a main road. And, uh, but the building was maybe couple hundred yards back mm -hmm. and you know like you'd see a high school maybe you know, maybe a hundred or you'd see a high school from the road and it's yeah. sort of back sure right so we go this little square building mm -hmm. so we go there and the cologne brothers were there the young cologne brothers. now known as uh carlito and, and uh primo right or carmen and epico too i believe uh Oh, we got him in the um, Carly and uh, and Primo from the magazines, right? And Pablo Marquez. Okay, yeah. remember him? Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was there. Um, the WWC stars. Well, the Invader. Oh yeah, Jose Gonzalez. Sure. And um, what happened was, we get to the show. And we go, we drive, and we park around the back mm -hmm. where the other workers parked. And we go in. We got there at 6 o'clock. And Ricky Santana's there. How you doing? Oh, I'm glad you guys came. Hey, make yourself make yourself at home here. Yeah. Feel at home. And uh, all right. And I think I said, you sure to be? He goes, don't. Everything's fine. Mm. So Mike's doing his interviews with these various guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking if I could take some posed pictures. Sure. And I'm sort of uh, schmoozing. It's This is fun. And Abdullah the Butcher was there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, legend. Mm -hmm. And uh, so everything's honky-dory. And the show starts in its traditional hour late time. <laughs> it was sort of late. I was explaining before that, you know, the people like to drink and, and just hang out. Nobody would complain about a, a late start. Mm -hmm. So the show starts. They had a nice crowd there. And uh, I'm doing my photography thing. The same thing that no ringside seats. The people sure. are in the bleachers. And they're, they're, their style was, you know, made the IWA style uh, look like, you know, the the most, uh, oh, God. Uh, like like tame ballet. Compared well, to, give me here. Uh, where would you put it on a scale between ECW and FMW, with FMW being the exploding death matches and ECW being a little violent? 
the IWA, the, the WWC was such a slow, slow. So old, like 70s WWF. Well, remember earlier in our last episode, I said mm. how I sort of fell in love with it because it was reminded me of such. Sure. But this was even slower, like almost too slow. It's like a, it's like a record that's on, you know, no one's going to know what we're talking about. It. A 45 that's on and you put it on 33. There you go. It was slow. But. That's what the people wanted. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Uh, IWA was a little more modern. Yeah. You know, far from the MTV, uh, far what from I've, the Attitude Era. Sure. From what I've seen from IWA, it, it reminds me a lot of ECW or what people think of a VCW. But to your point, there, there wasn't a lot of – there was there was definitely uh, some blood and guts. But, mm-hmm. you know, was it was saved for the right time. Gotcha. Okay. Um, as opposed to ECW, they might overdo it. Mm-hmm. So – First match, second match, third match, whatever. Third match was a tag team match. And Ricky Santana was in the match. And everything's fine. I'm having a blast. And all of a sudden, during the match, the match is going on. Someone taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, there's no one on the floor. There there was some security guys sort of milling about, you know, like one or two guys. Yeah. and it was one of those guys. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, he taps me and he's speaking in Spanish. And I knew that what he said wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And what he was telling me was like, you got to get out of here. Okay. And I look up. First, I look at him. I'm like, what's. And then out of the other, the corner of my other eye, <laughs> I see Mike, my cousin, mm-hmm. and who's standing next to him. Towering over him is Victor Jovica. And Mike's got the magazine in his hand. And as I come rushing over, I could hear Mike going, (laughs) but Mr. Jovica, we covered both promotions. Uh, We covered, we're giving you, we're being fair. There's nothing favoring anybody. Uh, And Jovica, and I'm like, hey, Mr. Javica, hey, I'm sorry. You know, uh, Ricky Santana told us. He goes, fuck Ricky Santana. Oh. He goes, and fuck you two both. He goes, mm. you two, he goes, you two New York Jews, you think you could come down here and do whatever you want? He goes, this is my place. Wow. And I'm like, oh shit. This, yeah. Now don't forget, Jovica. There's some allegations. Cologne. The- Quinones. Yeah. Who was a partner, but not. Uh, and Jose Gonzalez, you know, they're, they're all allegations towards the, the Bruiser Brody murder. Yes. And Joe Vico. So those are not guys you want to mess with. Right. And, yeah. And so I'm like, all right, all right. Sorry. Well, he goes, you, you, you get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to use my head and my head said, I know where we're parked. And I know where the, how this building, it's like dark and no one around. And I said, I said, oh, we'll, we'll just go out through the back. Yeah. You know, we're parked there. I, I'm so, we're sorry. All right. We didn't mean to disrespect you. Right. He goes, fuck you. You go out through the front. Wow. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we walk out the front door. And what, see, even though it was a hundred yards off the road, you know, we walked, when we drove there, it was daylight. Sure. There was some life and some fans and the guy would sell chicken on a stick. Uh, nice. And there was a hot dog man. Yeah. And, and a, another guy with a, a, 
uh, a garbage can full of beers and maybe some <laughs> sodas for the kids. Sounds, and, sounds like early 90s Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> you go to this, yeah. So uh, we go out the front door mm-hmm. and it's like a horror movie. There's no one out there. It's dark. There's no street lights. Wow. And you don't have a cell, and my, no cell phones at the time. I did have a cell phone. Well, not with the flashlights that we no. Now. Yeah. And my head's going, oh shit! Yeah, they murdered Bruiser Brody in a locker room with before a show in a stadium filled with twenty thousand people. Sure. What does this guy care about these two New York Jews? To quote him. <laughs> yeah. And so. And all I get, and we're go. So it, by going out the front door, this is the exact opposite of where we wanted to be in relationship to where our car was. So you'd have to go at least halfway around the building to right. get to the car. So we start walking around. Them. I thought, oh, they're going to jump us. Mm. They're going to jump us. They're going to do something. I'm thinking the worst. Who wouldn't? You know, and you yeah. never know. Uh, you know, he might even if Jovica wanted to bring the two security guys out just to scare us. Sure. You know. Uh, that didn't happen. And we made it around the building mm-hmm. and to our rental car. And I'm like, it's like, this is like a, uh, uh, a Clint Eastwood movie <laughs> sort of, cause the car's now kind of blocked in. Yeah. It wasn't blocked in intentionally. Sure. But the way the Everybody's- other guys parked around it. And that happens at Ring of Honor events in Columbus right. and like Pittsburgh. Like in Baltimore, Baltimore. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh Jesus! <laughs> so I just want to get out of there. Yeah. So I might have, might have had a like, uh, not, I'm not going to smash in anything. Sure. Plus it was a rental. I don't want to get hit with the, right. the fees of ruining the car. But I might have had to like push. I don't think this is the days before these cars had alarms on. <laughs> sure. So you could sort of just b- roll into the back bumper. <laughs> try. Anyway. We got out of there. Yeah. And it's uh, this is where the Clint Eastwood thing. I'm riding through the grass. <laughs> you know, I'm riding through the grass, going up and down. <laughs> like, so we're in the car. And no longer than five minutes, the phone rings. And it's Ricky Santana. Because oh. he was in the ring. He yeah. saw this. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. He goes, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm going to talk to that asshole because yeah. this isn't right. Right. And I'm like, look, uh, he, this guy scared the hell out of us. Sure. He goes, look, it shouldn't have been that way. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, at that point, until further notice, we were not going to deal. We, we were scared to go there. Sure. So did you end up printing anything in issue three from what you got that night? Or did you just kind of hold off? We did. Yes. Because you you already got it. You might as well print it. it. Absolutely. We printed it. And um, Buttman also appears in issue three. Yes. (laughs) Great Buttman. And um, so we were told by uh, Santana at a later time, Mm -hmm. everything is smoothed out again. And I'm like, how do yeah? How do we know this? Yeah. Do you think it was Santana, or do you think it was flip a coin with Jovica? It might have been. It might not have been. Yeah. But he convinced us to go back to. Um, oh God, what was the name of the town? Um, might have been. 
Aguas, Buenos Aguas, Aguas, Buenos. It was a a town in the middle of the country. And um, this would have been for issue four. Maybe three. three, Maybe three. Three and then. So. So as quickly as 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 arduous as the journey was to get here, we're almost at the conclusion (laughs) after some some confrontations with Jovica and with Santana. So you go to this event. Right, we go to the event, um, and to get, I'm trying to find the uh, I'm trying to find the damn name of the town so uh, it would make sense. But it was in the middle from where Port, from from where San Juan was. Uh, this was like an hour southwest. Yes, yes, okay. and and it was up in the mountains. Okay, so Mike. And I had the brilliant idea of driving through the the mountain roads. Like there was, <laughs> like there was mountains that go up to like three thousand feet there. Wow! You know, there's there's like these Puerto Ricans, Puerto Rico's version of hillbillies. Wow! Okay, you know, it, it's the only part of the country where at night it'll get below like sixty degrees. Oh my up goodness! In these mountains. Okay, Barranquitas might have been the name of the town. But we took this ridiculous, we were so stupid. We took this ridiculous route. And, but, you know, we were having the time of our lives down there. Mm-hmm. Um, the ticket business was good. Uh, I hadn't gotten involved with ROH yet. Mm-hmm. It was coming. Yeah, um, soon. Very soon. Soon. And we would be down there. You know, we'd be at the beach in the, during the day. We'd be in the casinos at night. Oh, we're in the we're in the bosom of the wrestling <laughs> business. Um, there was uh, a beautiful that Condado. You know, you could ask Carino. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could ask all these guys that have been down there. This Condado Beach area, as well as Isla Verde, is the other tourist area. The Green Island are, are beautiful areas and. Where we were staying, but we stayed by the Marriott. Right across the street is like a nice bar and restaurant, and a door down. It was the beginning, like Starbucks was was coming okay. up, and then there's you know like a really good Italian restaurant, and then there's a traditional Puerto Rican restaurant. Sure, is the main drag, and then there's you know like a Walgreens, mm-hmm. and and then you got everything a, you need, everything you need, yeah. and then. They, Along the way, oh, there's a go-go bar. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just, uh, the souvenir. The, the, Did Buttman have a physical location? Buttman had a physical okay, location. Right. It's a there souvenir shop. Yeah. And uh, better than Buttman, there was a. <laughs> I don't was, know if it gets better well, than that. Yeah, it does. There, there was a place called Pure Moods. Oh, okay. Right on the boulevard. Wow. Two blocks from the Marriott. There you it go. It was in the heart of the tourist district. And it was a massage. Your, your classic massage. Massage parlor, okay. wacky shack, <laughs> rub, rub and tug. Oh, one of those establishments. And, and yeah. more. Yeah. This place was, was uh, as we, we learned, it was full service. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we, we, we've never given any disclaimers on this podcast that this is for mature audiences. Right. Well, it'll be listed as, as such. It's listed as such. Oh, I, I, so anyway, we're talking. To, I might, now we've gone down. A, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get to this great line. Yes, please. I'm sorry. So, 
<laughs> We're on our way to Barranquitas, or I, I, I got this thing in my head that the town starts with an O. Uh, I'll, I'll be mad at the end. Anyway, we're on this long ride, this circuitous route. We could have taken the highway sure. and for like 40 minutes and taken like this one road yeah. right to this town. But no, we're going to travel through the, the beautiful mountains. <laughs> These are deadly roads. Anyway, as we leave. The, would, would you compare it to the Pacific Coast Highway? For yes. Those? Okay. Worse. All right. Worse. Okay. Worse. The Pacific Coast Highway. This is worse. Okay. So as we're leaving. And, you know, we're done with the beach. It's like mm-hmm. three in the afternoon. Sure. We're just eating some nice, delicious you're getting lunch. Down. Yeah, you're you getting know, down. Feeling good. It's warm. You know, it's like, it's like, and it was the winter too. You know, we're down there. It's 80 yeah. degrees in February. And, um, we're, we're having the time of our lives. And, you know, our friend Dustin was come down with yeah. us as well. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about disgusting yeah. Dustin. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and Palermo. And, you know, Mike wasn't married at the time. Yeah. So he would enjoy the fruits of the uh, pure moods. Okay. So as we're driving away, I, he says, oh, what's Dustin doing? I said, oh. I think he and I wasn't bullshitting. Mm-hmm. I said I think he's on his second trip to Pure Moose. Wow. It, it was only like three thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> so out of nowhere, Mike looks up in the sky. Got the matinee rate. I was driving. And Mike just looks up in the sky as we're leaving the Marriott and driving mm-hmm. on these roads. And he just digests Dustin's second trip to Pure Moods. And out of nowhere, he just gives a nod of approval and <laughs> says, says these words, this should be a t-shirt. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He gives his nod of approval and he goes, ah, yeah, suckle, suckle, puddin' and poo. <laughs> wow, he's up there with uh, the great hail the camel. Well, I mean, that just, <laughs> I said, huh? He goes, yeah, suckle, suckle. Pudding and poo, and I, I've let he remember. We, and you've just you've we, sat on this. We for, still talk about this. Like, where did that come from? He goes, I don't know. Almost it twenty just, years. <laughs> you know, he, he's you know the, the author of Woodstock Fifty. Yeah, you know he, he just has uh, things just sprout out of nowhere. Off we went to the show. Yep. And on these ridiculous roads, mm-hmm. these ridiculous roads, and it was a Friday, and. There's no such thing as drunken driving laws there. Oh. People are, you know, that yeah. it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we're up in these mountains. Yeah. And it's taken, what should have been an hour and something, it's like three hours. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's ridiculous. And now we can't find the damn building. Oh, and no. we're pulling off and they have these little cantinas mm-hmm. on the sides of the road. And- Everyone was nice. My cousin was like paranoid. I'm like, what are you paranoid about? You know, he goes, well, you know, I was playing craps in the casino. I got like $800 on me. I'm like, well, so I'll go in, relax. Yeah. I go in. These guys are drinking beers. I'm like, you know, donde esta lucha libre? They're like, oh, no, no. You see, guy was nice enough to go, you know, follow us. We were close enough to the town. So we we followed him there. And, um, are we going overtime on oh, this? Oh, we are we are rocking and rolling. We are plowing through. This is extended edition. Is it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we go to this town and we see Ricky Santana. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, bro. He's like, I promise you. You have my <laughs> word. I'm like, I don't want any problems. Yeah. And he's like, you're not going to have any problems. And Kurt Henning 
was on that show. Okay, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. Conan was on that show. Wow. Okay. And Both who I believe would I know Mr. Perfect would be be a part of Jimmy Hart's XWF. Right. Mm-hmm. And also Jose Gonzalez, who was not in Humacao. Okay. Uh, the man who possibly put the knife into Brody. Some allege, yeah. Right. Uh, he was in a cage match, I get think, against Fidel Sierra. Wow, the Cuban sounded, assassin. Yeah. Sounded good on paper, it does. right? Yeah. So, Fidel Sierra, former WCW star. Yeah. They had the split dressing rooms. Okay. Where the baby faces or the good guys were in one dressing room, mm-hmm. and the heels were in the other dressing. Bad room. guys, yeah. And they adhered to this, but from the last bastions of of. You know, where kayfabe, which is a word meaning, you know, kind of the art, art of deception, for right. lack of a better term. And but. they adhered to that. Uh, so we're trying to get some interviews and uh, we're in the heel locker room and Henning was in the heel locker room. Okay. And uh, Fidel Sierra, a bunch of guys and everything's cool. And Mike's talking and and he's doing he's talking to this guy, talking to that guy, and he gets to Fidel Sierra. Mm-hmm. And he has a little tape recorder and a little microphone. Mm-hmm. And he says, Now, once again, Fidel Sierra was in the cage match against Jose Gonzalez. Right. Invader number one. But it was Jose Gonzalez. Sure. And he says, during his interview, how do you feel about Tonight, going in a cage against the man who may have killed Bruiser Brody. Oh, no. And Jose Gonzalez goes, turn that. um, Fidel Sierra goes, turn that off. Yeah. And Kurt Henning Mm -hmm. grabs his arm, takes his. He was talking to I was talking to him. Yeah. And I was talking to Henning about, oh, you know, your father and Larry the Axe. And Henning hears this. Yeah. We were about, uh, I don't know. Stone's throw. Yeah. It was like a, a couple of. Uh, locker room uh, benches down the road. Sure. Henning stands up, goes to me, excuse me, and he grabs my wow. around the throat. Yeah. And he's, and this is Henning, who's not even a regular there. He goes, sure. we don't talk about that down here. You understand? Ooh. And we're like, okay. Yeah. And I'm looking at Mike like, you stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, this was before the first half. Okay. And so we quickly left the locker room. <laughs> as, I as go, I what, are, what are you doing? I'm sitting. So yeah. now, now we're sitting in the stands of this place. We are the only two gringos in the whole building, except some of the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what if Jovica comes? What if Henning and Fidel Sierra tell Jovica what you said? Yeah. What if he tells Jose Gonzalez? Oh. I go, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and after, you know, after the last, you know, they, they, they're they led you back in. Yeah. He goes, oh, it was like, he was like, he was like the camel. He goes, oh, oh I, fu- I fucked up. I fucked up. I, you know, I was like the camel's wife. You idiot. Why did you say that? And, and Mike G, AJ, Mike G's sitting there going, oh, oh, man. So now the intermission's coming up. And, Part of us was like, we should just leave. That's what I would have done. And Mike's like, listen, I'm going to go in that locker room Mm -hmm. and apologize. Okay. I go, I don't know if you could uh, uh, mend these broken. Yeah. (laughs) And and so he was adamant about going, well, I'm not going to let him go by himself. Yeah. So 
there we go mm-hmm. into the locker room. And Mike goes up to Fidel Sierra and says, excuse me, can I, can I, I want to apologize. I want to talk. So what does Fidel Sierra say? Yeah, let's go talk in the shower. Oh, no. That's where Bruiser Brody. Right. Oh, no. Right? So, well, Hopefully. nothing nothing happened. Yeah, to Hopefully Mike. that was a rib. And Fidel Sierra, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. And Fidel Sierra, he turned out, the, he was. He just said, look, I just, Mike told him, he said, look, don't, what are you saying? That shit? Yeah. He goes, everybody, you just yeah. don't say it. Right. Certain things you just don't say in life. Sure. Yep. And that's one of them, especially in Puerto Rico. Sure. I had a moment like that in Ring of Honor with Bully Ray. It always helps to just go up and clear the air. So this is the magazine. We're coming in for a landing here. Uh, Want to do a quick couple word associations with some of the talent. And tell us actually first how you, how you decided it was the end. Because it only lasted four issues. You feature Ring of Honor in the first issue. Did you know at any point during the magazine that you'd want to kind of invest and become a silent partner? And then number two, how do you know it was the right time to pull the plug in the magazine? I mean, if I if I give you a fast version here, it's not doing justice, justice sure. to this at all because um, there's so many good stories. But we put out we put out issue three, which which was an all time record really? on the newsstands for for uh, in Mike's whole career. Mm-hmm. He once did like a one off for like new kids on the block okay. when yeah. they were red hot sure. that sold like. 49% of the issues on the newsstand, which is unheard of. Right. Unless you're, you know, uh, Rolling Stone, uh, the, the week that, um, of a, maybe a, like when Prince died sure. or something of the, you know, it was just, uh, but we did like 57%. Oh my goodness. 57%. Yeah. We couldn't believe it. But here's the thing. We never got. WWC to sell anything, nor yeah. we trust them. And IWA was dragging their feet, dragging their feet. Yeah. And the downfall of the magazine, we're, when we're going to save the story because we don't want, I know we're going long here, but there was a final uh, meeting mm-hmm. that is such a classic story. It might make a whole podcast when we begged Victor Jovica. Because it was, they were doing well, yeah, and they were averaging, you know, a small Thursday show six hundred people, Friday show two thousand, Saturday three or four thousand, Sunday they would go on the other side, the west coast of the island, and mm-hmm. they would do two or three thousand. Yeah. They could have easily been selling a uh, hundred to two hundred uh, issues. The people when he did, then they did sell them. Yeah, they bought them. Yeah. Um. So we had a final plea with. Uh, with Kenyonis, which is just an incredible story about what happened. And uh, we're going to save that. That for, sounds uh, good. Yeah. So we can go through some name associations, just one or two two quick words on, on each of the wrestlers or, or, or people. And some of the people, too, we might come back to. I'm thinking Dutch Mantel, someone you, you hold in high regard. I'm thinking Bushwhacker Lucas Absolutely. Williams. They might be featured in the People series or at least part of the People series. Uh, so first, let's start off with uh, with Bushwhacker Luke, which is one or two words. It's hard to do one or two words. <laughs> but if people said to me, oh, Carrie, with your rig of honor experience and doing the magazine, you got to meet a lot of these wrestling legends. Who's like the nicest guy? Yeah. Uh, it's probably Bushwhacker Luke and Jerry Lynn. There you go. Uh, how about Dutch? 
Smart. There you go. Uh, here's one. Glamour Boy Shane. Underrated. Yeah, and kind of forgotten. I wish that wasn't the case. Yeah, and just a, a, a nice man. Yeah, he, he should have been a guy that broke through in a big time in the mainland here. Uh, what about Savio? Savio is an interesting cat. Yeah. And it'll play into the story okay. of, of uh, you know, why... I'm not, I'm not, was a hanging, you know, Savio is very close to Victor. Okay. And Jonas. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he has some money invested. Okay. And uh, without giving away the, uh, the, the, the big cliffhanger of my, of our last meeting with Quinones. Sure. The, the, a lot of it that played into it was that there was just, if you weren't, you know, if you weren't part of their team. Sure. You know, and like, and it wasn't about, nationality like mm-hmm. in other words if they worked for them like dutch sure. or luke yeah you were part of their team mm-hmm. but uh if you weren't like right in there with them there was this thing of non-trust okay understand that for sure uh how about uh how about other than that savio was cool with the bodyguard oh he was he was really nice and yeah. you know he passed away way too early mm-hmm. uh he would have been a star if yeah. he would have ever made it to uh I mean, I don't know if you have any familiarity with him at all. I, don't I know. do, yeah. But I, yeah, he would have been a star. And his kids wrestling now in Puerto Rico. He was like 10 years old back then. Any memories of uh, Carlos Colon? He said he, he was kind of the good cop in the situations. Oh, Carlos. Yeah, yeah, big, big Carlos. He, you know, I think except for the, the story of seeing him with Abdul the Butcher and that one meeting mm-hmm. we had with him the very first time we met with him in Jovica. Yeah. I never saw him again. Wow. Okay. He was not at the shows. Okay. But, you know, so we never saw him again. Interesting. Yeah. So I think this needs to have a rearranging of the schedule. We talked about Louisiana being the next episode. We also talked about <laughs> Stanley and the Baboon. Yeah. We're, I, it, I was looking at my notes in my, in my, my, uh, of the of, manuscript, of, of the, the, manuscript, the yeah. memoirs and the, the, the headline to the chapter about pig face Stanley and little Scotty, his son, the baboon, the headline of the chapter was the worst, the worst. Wow. So maybe that'll be a tie-in to the meeting. If I, I don't know how the meeting goes, but maybe that'll be a nice tie-in. Maybe uh, we can put those together and put put a bow on Pigface Stanley and the Baboon. And uh, and this final meeting, this ominous meeting, and how Ring of Honor kind of ties all together. So that'll be episode eight. We're going to push off Louisiana. I think there's, there's a lot of meat on the bone of Louisiana. You being in Lafayette, Louisiana, LSU football games, things you've talked to me about. And... Uh, and, and some of the pain and agony <laughs> of being in the French Quarter. So that's where we'll have the next pleasures time. and the pleasure. Ah, and is there a butt man in in, uh, uh, in Louisiana? It was, wi- it was wide open. This is this is 1985. Yeah. It was wi- the French Quarter was wide open. There was female and male prostitution on those streets. Those very same streets. So you walk on Bourbon Street, right, and off to the side. To the uh, um, to the right, the, to, to the Mississippi Riverside, where there's mm-hmm. Royal and Decatur, those are the nice areas. Sure, but then to the uh, to the left, with the other streets, 
and it got a little quieter and darker. Yeah. And it was loaded with 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 hookers. And down the, down at the end of Bourbon Street, where those gay bars are, you know, where you see the balconies with sure. all these guys. There were male hookers wow. on the streets. I mean, what what a party. Yeah, not something you see in every major city. <laughs> what so. a party. Whatever you wanted. You know, and, and it was such a nice town. But we're gonna talk all about it. And that. I, I prefer to hang out at Cafe Dumont. I'm just a little uh that's a, that's a, no, there's nothing wrong. It's still there. Have some nice beignets with Colt down there. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, still is an old-time classic. Just like you are, Carrie. And we'll be we'll be hitting the uh the, the finality of the Puerto Rico saga which we both didn't expect to, to last this long, but there's still a lot to get to as we head to episode eight next time on Last Stop Penn Station. We thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on your podcast outlet, most most notably iTunes, if you're listening that way. It helps join us a lot. Join our Facebook page. Yeah, join the Facebook page, uh, the, the Twitter handle, which is printed in the description here, and all that fun stuff. For Carrie Silken, Ami, and Rickabani, happy wrestling, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll join you for the conclusion... The thrilling conclusion, the final meeting in Puerto Rico next time on episode eight of Last Stop Penn Station. We hail you for listening to Last Stop Penn Station podcast. Rate, review, like, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or at laststoppennstation.com.